Aloha, and welcome to another episode of the Finding Ohana podcast. I'm your host, Ross Chun, and I'm here in the Honda Studios in Aliso Viejo with my rescue dog, Ari. And today we're having a special conversation with a good friend. She is a musician, a talented performer, and a spiritual leader. Her name is Natalie Young. Good morning. How are you? I'm terrific. How are you? Great. Thank you. And thanks. Thanks so much for joining. Um, I'm really excited that we get a chance to talk. Me too. Well, listen, let's just jump right in because I, I know I gave you kind of an idea of how this works. Um, so y- you know that I'm going to ask you just three questions. Yeah. And I like to start off with uh, asking my guests if they recall how we first met. Now, you and I have known each other for many years, but do you recall how we first met? I believe it was um, after an incident at my daughter's birthday party. Um, I think this must have been her fifth or sixth birthday um, at a gym in Aliso. And I had no, because she was in preschool at the time. So her whole preschool class from my synagogue um, was at the party and somebody had in the dirt on my car, drawn some anti-Semitic things in on on the back of the car and on the window, um, and I had reported it to the sheriff's department, and it was pretty unsettling. And I, I believe it was then that you reached out to me and were such an incredible support, and um, that's kind of where our friendship started. And was just so grateful to have somebody who took the time to listen and understand and want to affect change. Well, well, thank you. And, and that, that is a lot of what I recall and, and there's a lot to unpack from just that memory. And so I, I, I wanted to talk with you a little bit um, about your background um, and, and then also focus on your role in the community in, in Orange County so, so tell us a little bit about uh, about what you do because I did a little bit of it as an intro before this interview, and um, I describe you in a number of different ways because I know the way I think of you, um, and all of the great things that you do and the inspiration that you provide. But maybe tell tell us a little bit about your background, along with having uh, a family and children and um, being a member of a synagogue. Just uh, just give us a, a bit of a of an introduction to you. Sure. Um, well, I grew up in Los Angeles um, at a Reconstructionist congregation in Pacific Palisades. Um, I kind of think of the fact that I am the daughter of immigrants. My father is a Holocaust survivor from Budapest, Hungary, who um, after the Hungarian Revolution ended up emigrating to Canada, where he met my French-Canadian mother. Um, and that's a whole fun story for another time. And, um, she had converted before they got married and I was raised Jewish. Um, and I have a lot of background working with youth at camp and, um, taught myself guitar in college and all of those skills led me to the cantorate, which 
for those of you who know what a rabbi is, it's kind of like a singing rabbi. <laughs> um, so I, I teach, I do pastoral work with my community. Um, I lead music and all kinds of stuff. And I'm also a composer. And so I have the great fortune of getting to visit communities around the country as an artist in residence to share um, you know, my teaching and my music and my spirituality. So that's been a tremendous gift. Um, I've been serving my current congregation here in Aliso Viejo, Temple Beth El, um, for 10 years. Um, it's been an incredible journey with so many wonderful people in the community. And um, I continue to grow in my cantrip from the work that I do and grateful always for all of the teachers that surround me. So that's on one foot. <laughs> I am. I have uh, three kids, one in college at UC Santa Cruz, my alma mater, go banana slugs. <laughs> um, and my younger two, one is at Sierra Vista in Irvine. She's in seventh grade. Um, getting ready for her bat mitzvah this spring. And my younger son um, is in 10th grade at University High School in Irvine, um, studying music and just very, very fortunate. And I'm married to a rabbi, so we are destined to screw up our kids in some capacity <laughs> uh, with a two-clergy household, but um, very, very blessed. Wow. Well, so that that brings so many memories to me because uh, our our friendship has has been um, based on these types of interactions where somehow and I, I, I won't say always, but but often um, when we come together, you and I and uh, our different friends and community, it it is often in the face of some sort of challenge or or even in the past it's been in the face of of a tragedy yes and and i don't like to think about it that way but it it gives me some solace in knowing that we do come together in that fashion but somehow with your music and your leadership we come away with some kind of comfort or some kind of joy and I, I do think about that because I, I met I met your parents at the temple. Yes, yes, you did. Uh, I got to sit with them, um, and it was uh, it was such an, a wonderful experience um, in the face of acknowledging the challenges um, that the Jewish community faces and 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 often the the tragedies that you face. It's a hard word, world that we're living in right now. Um... You know, my father of blessed memory who recently passed, you know, taught me throughout life um, really to go through life with eyes wide open. And um, while he collected friends wherever he went, as did both of my parents, um, there was also some fear and mistrust that I grew up with being, again, the daughter of a Holocaust survivor. There was... Um, a lot of trauma from his experience. And um, I carried that with me. And, you know, when I was in seminary with my husband, our first year was in 
Jerusalem. It's a five-year program. Our first year in Israel, boots on the ground. And um, we were there 2001, 2002. It's the height of the second Intifada. So a lot of intense violence um, happening around us. Um, and carrying with me the trauma of my father, that experience on top of that really shaped um, how I see things in the world. And I always want to be careful to um, come back to center and not go through life with fear and paranoia, but with deeper understanding and curiosity and wanting to um, get to know people more, um, especially those who are different from me, different from my community. Uh, the bridge building is a critical part of how we come together to understand one another. Um, and that's been especially challenging, I think, post-pandemic because the isolation that people experienced being in their home, um, people had access to all kinds of misinformation. I think people doubled down on on their fear and their mistrust, not knowing what was happening outside in the world. And so where you get your information is obviously really important. Um, but how we come together with those who are different from us is especially important right now. Um, Anti-Semitism is on the rise. Hate crimes are on the rise. And there's a real fear um, of those that we don't know, those that we don't understand, and people kind of fill in their own blank, right? Mm -hmm. To mm -hmm. try and understand a bigger picture of who someone or who a group of people are. Um, and a lot of that is people's perceptions are are based on false information, people peddling lies on social media. Um, Kanye, you know, this is like one of the most recent thing that has affected um, my children who listen to his music and who's been peddling all of this hate towards the Jewish community. Um, and them recognizing the lies and now being able to have some frank discussions with their their peers about it and them actively making the choice to um, to not listen to his music and not support him um, you know how how can we stand together to be able to rise up to these acts of hatred um, Again, the lies that are being told about different groups in the community um, so that we can stand together as allies. We need to get out of our silos. I think that's one of the big issues is we tend to stick with people we know who are like-minded and that's well and good and comfortable. But if we are to change hearts and minds we need to go outside of our comfort zone and have 
real dialogue with people and get to know their stories and what has shaped their thinking, their understanding of the world around them. I, I agree. And I, and you, you had me recall just now um, uh, a, a joyous um, uh, event and interaction we had in the face again of some challenging circumstances. And the picture just popped up on Facebook recently, but it was when I joined you and members of the congregation at the Susan G. Komen event up in Newport Beach. Yes, that was so wonderful. I saw that picture and I remembered vividly showing up and feeling like an oddball with your group for a second, <laughs> just a second. And then all of a sudden I was part of the family. Absolutely. And isn't that the most critical thing is is to, as, as you said, I stepped out of my comfort zone because I am not an athlete. Um, I, so often I do things and I say, just so you know, I'm not a musician or I'm not an athlete. And I always, I always enter with this preamble, but I did not feel like uh, an outsider for a second, for more than a second when I showed up. And we had such a wonderful time and there were so many people whom I would normally not interact with or get a chance to talk with. Um, that we shared the the better part of the of uh, the morning with. That was and wonderful. It it really was, and that really illustrates your point: um, is engaging and embracing um, with people who are out, outside of maybe of our our sphere. Um, I just uh, yesterday um, I I do this. Uh, um, I don't even know what to call it. It's kind of a performance or it's a show. Um, I, I um, sometimes will show up and, and perform some music from my Hawaiian culture. Um, yesterday, I went to Belmont Village in Aliso Viejo in the senior community there. Yeah. And I did a cooking show and I showed them how my dad used to cook um, a dish for us growing up. And um, it, it was it was wonderful because I was the youngest person there. <laughs> and. Um, and everything I was talking about was so foreign to everybody. And I, I talked to them about um, how my dad did all the cooking in the home when I was growing up, just as I do now. Um, and, you know, cooking with chopsticks instead of utensils. And I had a little stove and I was making fried rice. And, and uh, when I looked out into the group and everybody was smiling and nodding, but I could tell they were also puzzling over what I was talking about. Um, and... And I feel like that so much is what we can all do to share of ourselves and of our culture. Oh, yeah. To, to, to make it less foreign for people who aren't familiar with us. Gosh, food is absolutely the gateway. Actually, we had a comedy night at the synagogue last night. And one of the comics was talking about um, how, how boring life would be without all of the incredible cuisine available to us. And this is really how we can um, come together, get to know each other, share stories over food. Oh man, um, that is a wonderful thing. I, I love the idea that you were sharing, not just about your, your dad and what he did, but how that has trickled down through the generations and now this is your role with your family um and what a beautiful thing to get to share that with others and it definitely uh brings people closer to who you are and helps them understand you and 
you know, we all enjoy a good meal together. <laughs> well, I, I think they're still puzzling over me because I, um, I do a couple of different things. And one of them was the cooking, but the, the previous time I was at Belmont village was just about two months ago. And I brought a group of students um, from the high school who I helped start a ukulele club with. And oh, nice. we, we performed uh, for about a half an hour and uh, I had a, a first time experience. Um, one of the residents came over to me and uh, she said, um, my gosh, you have a beautiful singing voice. And I looked at her and I said, my entire life, no one has ever told me that. And I appreciate the sentiment. It might but... be time for a duet. <laughs> <laughs> you and me, you'll have to come to the shul. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I, you know, it, it, but it does take a lot of nerve. I, I admire performers because it takes a lot of nerve to stand up and sing, especially when you're uncertain of your ability. Um, but I feel like when I see you, Adley, you are always certain of yourself, even in a difficult, challenging situation. And I wonder if, if you look across this time and this place, and let's say Orange County, wh what do you think the, the status of things is right now with the Jewish community? And, and I know you mentioned Kanye and that is a puzzle to me. I was totally unfamiliar with Kanye before all of this. Yeah. And now his name comes to, maybe that's his whole point. His name comes to mind all the time, not in a positive way, but it does come to mind. And, I, you know, in the face of that and everything else that's going on right now, what do you think the status is of, of the, the Jewish faith and the Jewish community? This is a big question yeah. in Orange County. How do you feel accepted? questioned, um, objected to? What do you think? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, it, it depends where you go. You can always find um, beautiful allies in the community. And we've done some interfaith work with the Islamic Foundation of Orange County, um, Shepherd of the Hills Presbyterian Church. We, we come together um, in unity around different programs and and I'm also part of a group called Women Drivers and that's an interfaith women's group um, that does learning together. I'm actually presenting next month um, and I'm so grateful to these friends in the community um, and unfortunately sometimes we feel like we're preaching to the choir um, and we need the ripple effect of our work together and our, our community gatherings um, to ripple further because there are those in the community that are sending out ripples of hate, ripples of misinformation. And we need our sacred work to be the tidal wave that wipes that out. Um, but it is an uphill battle for sure. Um, we hear about more and more anti-Semitic incidents happening. Um, I know some of my friends who are serving congregations in Los Angeles have experienced a lot of that. Um, we have been um, pretty fortunate in our own synagogue, but certainly we've had incidents of hate um, at other congregations. And uh, we 
need to become, first of all, aware that these things are happening so we can bring attention to the rest of the community and our congregants who are sometimes not in the know about these things happening so that we can be in conversation so that we can be aware so that we can be vigilant together and not just count on law enforcement to take care of things. We have to be part of the solution. Um, you know, one of the things that continues to be a challenge, my, my son Alex was sharing this with me yesterday. Um, you know, our, our Jewish high holy days are in the fall, um, typically September. And very often um, schools have tests going on during that time when our, our Jewish students are in synagogue for the high holy days and end up penalized. Um, and that is so incredibly frustrating or major events getting scheduled during our high holy days. It, it just wouldn't happen on Christmas. But, um, you know, these conversations with the school system continue to happen. And I think, I don't think it's intentional. I just think that there is oversight and it just takes a little bit of advanced planning. I know that we do advanced planning with our calendar um, to be able to look at what's happening in our various school systems so that we can um, really pay attention to where students and families are. And I think that just needs to happen um, on a wider level with what's happening in our schools so that our, our kids don't get penalized for practicing their faith. Um, my son had three tests that um, he had to take and, and it was a very difficult decision um, whether he goes to school or whether he comes to observe the Jewish High Holy Days with us. Um, and I don't want that to have to be the choice that our, our families make. We need to learn how to better support each other. Um, and those in a position of power um, can be a little bit more mindful about how we do that. You know, you uh, you brought back a, a a thought and a recent memory um, in that story, and I uh, I was uh, I'm trying to think if I should even mention this, but I'm going to mention this because I was asked to schedule a meeting, and um, I was the reason this was on my mind was because I was invited down to town center to light the menorah this year. I, every yeah. I, I've actually done it. I think it's been 10 years I, I get invited down to town center to light the menorah and it's a, it's a wonderful experience. Um, but I was asked to schedule a meeting. And um, so when the person who asked me to schedule a meeting uh, sent in the email, I replied polite, politely and I hope respectfully. And I said, I'm not sure if you realize, but that's, um, I think it was the first or second day of Hanukkah. And I, I replied that way. And I said, would you like to push this meeting further out? And he, the response I got was a question that they were wondering if I was Jewish. And I thought it shouldn't matter if I am or not, but it should be comfortable for anyone who needs to participate in the meeting 
to be able to decline it because it is it is their family's holiday or their personal holiday, not just the person who's putting it on the calendar and sending right. the invite out. Right. Right. And, you know, that just happened. And um, so when I went down to the menorah lighting, I saw something that I've seen um, many times, especially the last few years, which is the presence of armed security at the event. Oh, yeah. And it's very, it, it is the, the contrast of the joy of the community coming together and the music and seeing security walking through the crowd. It's, it is, uh, it's startling in many, many respects. And, and that's our that, new reality and has it been is. for some time. Yeah. It is. Even in South Orange County, in beautiful Aliso Viejo, there is that concern. And um, I made um, note of, of that and the way it affected me when I saw that. And I mentioned it to some other people who said, well, of course. And yeah. that is uh, a, a tragedy that people have become uh, uh, numb to that and accepting of that because it is, of course, the situation and, and the, the way of the time right now. It is a, a painful reality and certainly has become the new normal that um, security is needed at all of our events. Um, and we need to be part of that security, right? This is going back to learning to be vigilant and paying attention to um, things that seem out of place. This is all of our responsibility as citizens um, that we have to be part of that solution, uh, not just for ourselves, as you were saying, but um, seeing others who might be um, a target, others who are vulnerable, we have to take care of each other. I have, you know, an elderly mother and she's alone now. And she was talking about wanting to go on a trip, but was afraid to travel alone because she felt that she she was a target. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of people are feeling that. And a lot of our marginalized citizens who are more vulnerable feel that pressure of needed extra security. And um, so it's on all of us to take care of each other and pay attention, not just to ourselves, not just to the people in our orbit, um, but to keep our eyes up. And we've been, again, isolated for so long that, you know, for a while it was about self-preservation. And now that we have really re-entered society, um, we need to look up again and look out and, and see how the world has changed um, and be part of making this a better place. I, I think that that's um, my hope, and it sounds like it's your hope for the future for the, the Jewish community, but for all communities, is that we are all part of that effort. Um, I, I find myself thinking about this more and more, and when I think about the different cultures um, that I'm a part of, and also my friends and, and family who are part of, of other cultures, 
um, I, I have that hope for them as well. Um, and that's why these conversations are so important because I, I want to, to end this conversation on, uh, on a note of, of uh, optimism and joy. Yes. Um, because I think that that's what we have now. We've been through a very bad time um, unprecedented as, as that word was used more times than ever in history. Yeah. And now we have the opportunity because we've all learned, uh, hopefully, um, some painful lessons and we have a chance to look toward the future and find out how we can all be together and, and work together. And I just remembered when I was at, uh, the synagogue the last time I was also sitting near, um, uh, Dot Leach from the Interfaith Council. Yes. And I know that you're part of that. Yes. She is a dear friend. Um, you know, we've been, we actually just met last week and um, I'm just inspired by the work that she does and how she's been able to bring people in to be part of that holy work. There's a, there's a beautiful teaching from our tradition from Pirkei vote the ethics of our fathers that says it is not upon you to complete the work neither are you free to desist from it um, the small things that we can do can affect great change and when we come together with friends and build community one person at a time amazing things can happen I've seen it I felt it. I felt the power of change through people coming together. My community is going to be gathering this afternoon for our mitzvah day, doing acts of service for the community. Um, it's inspiring during these difficult times to see acts of great love and light and community building that are combating all of that negative stuff and pushing out the darkness. Well, I think that that is the um, high note and sentiment of optimism that I was looking for. So thank you very much. And Natalie, thank you for, for spending the time and, and talking with me and sharing these thoughts because they are important and they are powerful and they're critical for all of us. So I am grateful and everyone who, who listens to the podcast um, I know will will grow from just the, the wisdom and the guidance that you've shared. So thank you very much. And my pleasure. Um, thank you so much for having me. I will look forward to seeing you the next time and probably not singing with you because I do not want to drag you down with the, uh, the, the talents that I strive for, but I will look forward to hearing you perform sometime soon. Maybe a little ukulele. That's like <laughs> the happiest instrument on the planet. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I actually say that all the time. It's true. <laughs> it's true. My daughter and I both have one, so maybe you can teach us a thing or two. Uh, that I will look forward to. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for this time. Thank you, Natalie. Bye. Bye.